0: Well, good evening to you all. My name is John McCombs. I'm one of the assistant pastors here at Sydney Forum. It is great to have you with us. Tonight, we're continuing along in our catechism series, uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism. We started, uh, I don't know, four or five months ago. We have just uh, a couple sermons left. And uh, so tonight, as Matt said, we're looking at Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, question 36, but our text is Romans 5, 1 through 11. Kind of a microcosm, kind of a slice of that catechism question, but if if we can meditate on the truth in Romans 5 together and see how God might bless us through doing so, then we'll see uh, these benefits of salvation at work in our hearts and in our minds. So as is our custom, uh, I'll read uh, God's word and say, this is the word of the Lord, if you can respond with thanks be to God. So here now God's word uh, from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, it's on page 6 More than that. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Well, I have my opening question for you on there. Can you remember the first time you saw an edible arrangement? You guys know what those are, right? The company's been around about 20 years. It was started on the East Coast. And uh, they are edible arrangements, so instead of sending someone flowers, you send something that looks like flowers, but it's generally just fruit, right? And uh, edible arrangements, if you love fruit, are just an amazing thing. Uh, and if you don't love fruit, but you love fruit, well, let me pull some more of you in, uh, covered in chocolate, <laughs> right? then they're even more of an amazing uh, thing for you you know at lunch uh, one time this school year I, I don't know where it came from I'm not sure any of us teachers really knew Some, somebody just kind of dropped one at our table and, uh, and I don't think we, tr- we tried not to draw really any attention to it whatsoever we just let the students go they really don't pay any attention to the teachers and so uh, we, we just started you know and I'm just by the time I got done with that I'll tell you there wasn't much pineapple or strawberries left at all Right, and people were eating the marshmallows and the chocolate-covered bananas and the apples and everything. It was just this wonderful bouquet of fruit. Well, God's salvation, uh, being justified by faith, is a rich basket of the choicest fruits. It's something to take great delight in. And so tonight we want to dwell on those Rich and choice fruits together. Would you do that with me? You may not know it, but as we've been uh, going through the Westminster Shorter Catechism, we've been working through what theologians call the Ordo Salutis, or the Order of Salvation. And uh, from a classic Reformed perspective, that would start with election, of course. And then it would move into calling, and on the back of your outlines, and uh, pardon the flip, this would be a military flip, it wasn't on purpose, but you've got to turn it up instead of to the side. <clears throat> I listed some of the questions that we've been going through, because we're now hitting almost the culmination of those questions, as Pastor Matt pointed out, the, the, the so what. So we've looked in 29 and 30, right, at, at how, we, how the redemption that God purchases us in Christ is applied to us, and and then effectual calling, right? This work of God's spirit where he convinces us of our sin and, and misery, uh, where he calls us effectually, where he regenerates us, where we're born from above. And of course, after that happens, at some point we go through a, a conversion experience, repentance and faith, where we come to acknowledge what God has been up to in our lives. It's really the first time we're, 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 we're figuring it out. right? And then we move from there into justification uh, question uh, 33 uh, an act of God's free grace he pardons all our sins accepts us as righteous in his sight adoption which is a a twin really it happens at the same time being uh, brought into the number having the rights to all the privileges of the sons and daughters of God and then sanctification this process of God making us into what he has declared us to be holy righteous blameless well, question 32 alluded just a little bit, right? What benefits are those that, uh, uh, who are effectually called partake of in this life? It alluded to some benefits, and now we're getting to those. Those that partake of justification, adoption, sanctification, and the various benefits with either accompany or flow from them. And that's where we are tonight. We want to look at these things. We want to look at these benefits. We want to look at these fruits of our salvation. So tonight, Westminster Shorter Catechism 36. And in that question, you see benefits that accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification. You see five of them. I tried to choose a passage tonight where you could very clearly see the fruit of meditating on just one of those. So Romans chapter 5... Verses 1 through 11. Really deals with. Mostly just justification. Although there's bits in there on sanctification. Not a whole lot on adoption. But in just meditating on that one truth. Which is what the Apostle Paul has been doing. In the book of Romans. He's been meditating on this idea that. No one is righteous. No not one. No one can be declared righteous before God. In and of themselves. Yet. He gives us a case study. (laughs) He tells us justification is only by faith. And he tells us a story about Abraham. And he starts off in chapter 5, verse 1. And he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have. So right on the heels of talking about Abraham and this idea of justification by faith and this example of justification by faith, he then will say, we should be experiencing three or four or five things if we'll meditate on this truth. If this truth has been applied to our hearts and our minds by the Holy Spirit, if we will meditate on it, then we will reap great benefit from it. And so the first thing we see, since we've been justified by faith, we have, in verse 1, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, We have peace with God because of our justification, because of our being declared righteous, not for any righteousness in us, but because of the righteousness of Christ. Justification, just as if I never sinned, that's how God looks at us. And when we meditate on that truth, when we think about that, the first thing the apostle tells us is that we should have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Well, what kind of peace is that? Well, first and foremost, he makes it clear this is the kind of peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. So is it the kind of peace that's talked about in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, that peace that surpasses all understanding? Well, I think it's related to that, but I think it's actually a, a bit bigger than that. I think it's a little bit more than that. I think this peace leads to that kind of peace, that feeling of peace, that settled a feeling of peace in your heart. But it's the peace in knowing that you, who were an enemy of God, have been made right with Him. See, verses 6 through 9 talk to us, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Our text tells us that the wrath of God is upon sinners. The text calls us ungodly. We are no less than the enemies of God. Listen to verses 10 and 11. For if we, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We were at war. We were at war with God in our natural man, in our natural self, and in our flesh, and God made peace with us. He brought an end to the hostilities, and he did that in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Our first parents, Adam, Eve, declared rebellion upon God in the garden. And that's the state in which we live until God acts. Until God moves on our behalf. God's wrath is upon us. What ends a war? A treaty ends a war. When the hostilities have ended and a treaty comes together and the parties agree to no longer fight against each other. Christ is just that. He is God's peace treaty. He is God's olive branch to us, to those at war with Him. Christ came to end that war. And for those of us who have been justified by faith, ended He did. As the Scripture says, He Himself is our peace. As the Scripture says, He made peace, By the blood of His cross. In our justification, God made peace with us. So we have peace with God, first of all. Something that we could have in no other way. Something that can lead to that incredible feeling of peace. In your heart, that settled idea of knowing who you are and what God has done for you. That you are his child, that he has declared you righteousness. That when he looks upon you, as we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about trading places, he sees his son. Christ's righteousness has been imputed to you, and all your sins have been removed. Amen, that's right. Amen, that gives us peace. It makes us right with God. Not only do we have peace, but we have access. We have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, verse 2. See, it's only because the war is over that we can have access. The greatest generation is There aren't many with us anymore, are there? And right on the heels of them was the Korean War. It was not that long afterwards. You won't find many Korean War vets around either. 1950 to 1953, the Korean War. Is that war officially over? No peace treaty was signed. There's an armistice. They've agreed to not fight, but they've not agreed to pursue peace. Uh, my, my first duty station in the military was in Korea. And, and I was a helicopter pilot. Uh, and when you're on foot, you, you can't get anywhere near the DMZ. And when you're flying, you can't either. You have to have specific training and a lot of it just to be able to fly anywhere near there. Because if you cross over just a little bit, you really don't know What's going to happen? Because there's no peace there, there are many South and North Koreans. And and sadly, I think they're coming to an end, just like our Korean War vets, but these South and North Koreans who have families on the other side, who desire to have access to be able to go there and to see father, mother, sister, brother freely anytime they want. But they can't because they don't have access. And they don't have access because although the war isn't going on, there's still hostility. But because we have peace with God. We have access. We have access to God the Father. Do we get the significance of this? I mean, Adam and Eve walked in the garden in His very presence. But after their first sin, when they were cast east of Eden, and the cherubim and the flaming sword guarded the way to the tree of life, there was no longer free access. And it remained that way. Although God would draw near His people in different ways, never could you just approach God freely. Any way you wanted. You certainly couldn't at Mount Sinai. You certainly couldn't in the tabernacle. In the Holy of Holies. You certainly couldn't in the temple. But because God has justified us by faith. Declared us righteous in His sight. Ended the hostility between us and Him. Pursued us when we were enemies and wanted nothing to do with Him. Yet called us back to Himself in great love and at great cost to Himself. And now because He sees us in His very Son's robes of righteousness. With not a sin, spot, wrinkle or blemish on us. We are free. We have access to the Father. We can go into His presence. In fact, the New Testament commends us to go confidently. That we can confidently draw near to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. You who have been justified by faith, you have a backstage pass. You have VIP passes. You're a very important person to the Father and you have access. You can go see Him and talk to Him and crawl up into His arms and cry out Abba Father any time you want. And he doesn't take those passes away. It's yours. It will always be yours because Christ has earned it for you. So we have peace with God. We have access. And it only makes sense then that we are to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Uh, Verse 2 continues. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We whom God has declared righteous and said, you're perfect. You're perfect, you're mine. And now I'm going to spend a little time making you into what I've declared you to be. We have hope in the glory of God. We have hope that God is remaking us into the image of His Son. That He is making us into what He has declared us to be. That we would image Him. That we would show His glory to one another. And to the world. And we have hope in that. That's not hope like we hope the Steelers are going to win. It's definitely not hope like we hope the Pirates are going to win. It's hope and a certainty. These things will come to pass. He who began a good work in you will see it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Verses 10 through 11 hint on that a little bit, and even the end of verse 9. Since, therefore, we've now been justified by his blood, much sure shall we be saved by him. We've been justified. How could we not be saved? How could the one who has justified us not save us and continue to save us? Verse 10, for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. These things are as certain as certain gets. That you will one day fully reflect the glory of God. The way God is remaking you to. So we ask the question, if we, if we can rejoice because we've been reconciled and we've been made right with God, why Can we then rejoice in our suffering? How does that fit into this equation? How does suffering fit in here? How is this a benefit? How is there fruit in it? Well, the the apostle does go on to explain that in verses 3 through 5. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our hope, this certainty in what we are becoming in Christ Jesus, our sufferings cannot touch. That is fixed firmly in the heavens, and our sufferings cannot touch that. Not only can they not touch that or diminish it, Paul would actually tell us here that they're the very things that God uses to make us into that image. The sufferings, the losses that we go through in this life only serve to highlight the fact that we have something in Christ Jesus that is untouchable. We have something that can never be taken away. Our suffering only serves to increase our hope. You see, our suffering leads to endurance. Our endurance builds character. And that character only further serves to solidify our hope in Christ Jesus. In God our Father, in God the Holy Spirit, and His work in us. And our hope does not put us To shame. You see Christ will never disappoint. He will never let you down. Men and women will let you down. I I, I will let you down. Christ will never let you down. There is no shame in believing in him. Because everything he says will come to pass. There's no shame in being conformed into this image that actually removes our shame. So we've been chewing on a few fruits here. Peace with God, access by faith, rejoicing and hope and the joy that comes with that, knowing that you have something that nothing can touch and cannot be taken from you. But we've saved the best fruit for last. It's probably not the way we do it when we get an edible arrangement, is it? You know which ones you like. You're getting all those ones with the chocolate on them first. That's fine. You hang out with me. I'll never touch the chocolate. It'll be all yours. We'll split one. But Paul saves the best fruit for last here. And that is God's love. God's love being poured into our hearts as we read in chapter 5. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What kind of love is this exactly that God has put into our hearts? Well, it's a kind of love that frankly we cannot know apart from the divine work of God. This kind of love is not natural to us. This kind of love the world can never know. This kind of love we read about in verses 6-8. through For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us God our father son and holy spirit have deposited a love inside of you that can love an enemy a love has been put aside inside you that Counts not people's sins against them. A love has been put inside you that lays down its life for others. A love has been put inside you that sacrifices for others. A love has been put inside you that joyfully serves others. This is the love that Paul so famously Ends. Never ends. Our God has put that very love, the love that caused the Lord Jesus to go to the cross for us when we were his enemies, inside your very hearts. And although my heart doesn't often feel Filled with that kind of love. I think perhaps it's because I don't meditate on these truths enough. I think it's because I'm not chewing on these things that God would have me chew on and meditate on. That his love might be working in me in greater ways, This very love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts. And if you have been justified by faith, then you have peace with God. You have access by faith. You can rejoice and hope in the glory of God being restored in you. The very love of God is in you. God calls us to meditate on this justification. And what he has done for us in Christ Jesus by faith. He calls for us to meditate on all of these benefits. He calls for us to feast upon them. You guys seen Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? The original one? I I never saw the second one, so I'm I'm thinking that's the original one. There's the one girl who loves the gum, right? And she won't stop chewing the gum. So they give her a piece of gum, and what is it? It's a full-course meal. And she's chewing on it. And, uh, and it's, I don't know what the foods are. First, it's a wonderful salad, right? And then it's, she keeps chewing on it, and it's delicious pot roast. Right? And all of a sudden, it's mashed potatoes and gravy. Right, and then it's, oh, it's coming to me now, right? Then it's blueberry cobbler, right? Because she's the one, right, who blows up into the blueberry, and they have to roll her away. Right? Justification by faith adoption, sanctification, if we will chew on those things, they will not let us down. We'll chew on them and we'll be tasting peace with God. We'll be tasting our access by faith. We'll be rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. We'll be growing in our love for Him and for Each other, will you meditate on these truths? That God has saved you completely by His grace, that He has justified you. Will you chew on that and taste some peace? Will you chew on that and taste some access? Will you chew on that and taste some joy and some hope? Will you chew on that and taste some love? God's love in you. Will you come? Will you buy? Will you come, will you eat? Will you come and buy milk and wine without price? Will you come? Will you come and feast upon the fruits of your justification in Jesus? Let's pray.